Well, good morning, church, and uh, welcome to Lakeview Community Church. If you are here for the first time, uh, just want to give a quick shout out to the many people who make this happen on a weekly basis, our worship team that was right behind us. Uh, I love that last song that we just sang together, One Day He's Coming, and I am expecting that one day before he's coming, you're coming back here uh, to gather together soon enough. Um, but man, we have an amazing team of people who have made this work each and every week. And I just want to give a shout out to our worship team, um, to uh, Adam and Renee and Diane, and, and particularly Adam for setting up all of the video uh, details that go on. And we've been tweaking things every single week, and he has been uh, just so amazing and, 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 you know, try something. Some things work great, and some things don't work so well, and we're learning and we're adjusting. Uh, who knows what we'll be doing two weeks from now? This whole situation is so very fluid. Uh, a big thank you also to Pastor Sammy for, uh, for, for everything that he's doing with the sound system back there, as well as manning the uh, social media. Um, he's kind of the mastermind behind our social media. And, and each week, um, Felix has been here as well, not just to attend and be a part of worship, but to, uh, to cover us in prayer. And, and this week, we've actually been able to open the doors for just a couple of people um, to come in, uh, we, we were given um, the go-ahead for, for worship gatherings of less than 10. And so he's making sure everything's uh, remaining clean and sanitized and everyone um, knows how to do things in, in ways that are appropriate and responsible. Um, so just a huge thank you to everyone who also is out there uh, checking in each week, checking in with your life groups. And, uh, and, and thank you for all of the interaction on the social media uh, accounts. That really, it really is a blessing to, to be able to just, uh, you know, interact with each other on a, on a regular basis. So um, I'm going to uh, just open up and read the passage here that we're looking at this morning. If you have a Bible, uh, feel free to turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'm going to just read a few, a few verses to get us going. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king from among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I will declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, uh, came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Um, you know, uh, just, just to get things started, I want to tell you about this, uh, this device that I wear on my wrist. It is a, a Garmin, um, and this thing gives all kinds of metrics, uh, more than I could ever imagine. But one of the things that it has is a built-in 
heart rate monitor. Maybe, maybe you've got a, a Garmin or there's a few different companies that do that. It's really kind of cool because it records to an app uh, my heart rate. And that's, that's useful information for a couple of reasons. One, for exercise, but also just for overall health because um, after it's tracking it for a few days, it comes up with what your resting heart rate is. And it, mine, it tends to hover right around 50 beats per minute. Um, but here's the thing. When you start getting sick, when you're starting to come down with something, do you know that your resting heart rate will raise like five or six beats, and that'll happen a day or two before you're actually coming down with anything, before you actually start feeling the symptoms of your sickness. And so it's, it's nice because when I look at my, at my app and I see, oh, my, my, my heart rate's 55 today, um, that, that's, a, that's a check for me to take it easy, you know, go to bed early, drink some chicken, chicken soup or some vitamin C. And because even if I'm feeling good on the outside, it's, it's the inside, what's happening at the heart level, that, that tells the real story. And, and what's true physically is also true spiritually. Uh, the heart is what matters. What's, what's happening on the inside is the true gauge of what's really going on in our lives. And and in this passage, we are going to read this one verse, which is one of my all-time favorite verses. 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's a great verse that is just telling us that the heart, the inside, is the place that God is paying attention to in our lives. Not the outside, not the exteriors, but what's going on on the inside. And so if our goal is to be the kind of people through whom God would use and do significant things for his purposes, then, then we're going to want to pay particular attention to what's going on at the heart level. And, and, and in this passage, what we're seeing is how the Lord teaches this prophet, Prophet Samuel, about this about this truth, about what matters to him. And, and it's a lesson that he learned, um, and it's a lesson that, uh, that we have the opportunity to learn as well. Um, but to open it up, to make sense of this story, we still have to, we first, we've got we've to understand what happened up to this point. We have to see um, David's story. He's going to come into view for the first time this morning, um, but we won't be able to make sense of his life apart from his predecessor, King Saul, because it is an absolute study in contrast in every way possible. So Saul was Israel's first king. Prior to Saul, Israel had been divided into 12 different tribes, and, and each tribe had their own set of elders who led it. And then they had judges. Judges were appointed to keep the peace of the nation. And that that setup wasn't working out too well. As a matter of fact, the, the, the last verse in the book of Judges uh, kind of sums it up, and it says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So Israel needed a change. They needed a next step, but instead of turning to God to seek his will, they, they turned around to the nations around them. And, and what they noticed is that all the other nations had kings. And so they went to Samuel, and they said, Samuel, give us a king. We want to be like everyone else. 
And Samuel warned them. He said, you are going to regret this. You do not want to do this. But finally, God, God told Samuel, go ahead, give the people what they're asking for. Give them what they want. And, and, and what they wanted was embodied in, in King Saul. King Saul, you could say, was the people's choice. And what stood out about Saul was just his striking physical features. So Saul, he, he would have been front cover GQ poster boy material. He's, he's described as the most handsome man in the land. And he's also described as a towering figure. It says he was a head taller than anyone else. So, so from the outside, Saul fit the bill in every way. But on the inside, it told a whole different story. But no one was checking on the inside. Underneath all of that nice wrapping paper was just this void of character. There was unchecked rage and insecurity and pride and, and selfishness. And, and, and once that mantle of leadership had been handed over to him, it went straight to his head, and, and he completely self-destructed. And what happened is when Saul went down, he, he kind of took Samuel down with him. Samuel went down as well. He, Samuel had invested so much, trying so hard to steer Saul straight, and, and when things blew up, Samuel kind of spiraled into this, this state of grief. Um, you know, grief... We've talked about this before. It's the appropriate response to loss when we lose something, not just physical death, but, but the death of a relationship, the death of expectations. It's, it's choosing not to stuff those emotions, but, but taking the time to work through those feelings of, of hurt and loss and sorrow and, and whatever else has to wash through us. Um, but, but sometimes... We can stay there too long and we can get stuck in our grief. And, and instead of seeing grief as a seasonal residence to sort of, you know, just take, 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 get, go into for a while, we, we can turn it into our permanent address. And, and that, that happens when we stay down for too long. Now, now, we don't know how much time has passed between the end of chapter 15 and the start of chapter 16. But apparently it had been long enough. And so the, the chapter starts out with the Lord asking Samuel this question. How much longer are you going to grieve over Saul? And, and I wonder if just maybe there's a place in your life where you've been stuck at a standstill for just too long. Maybe maybe feeling sorry for yourself or, or maybe just wrapped up in, in all of the, the could-have-beens and the should-have-beens and how things just didn't work out according to your own plan. And, and maybe the Lord is asking you that same question. Hey, how much longer? How much longer are you going to sit here and just, and just wallow in neutral? See, there comes a point where it's time to get going again. And, and that was the Lord's mandate to Samuel. He says, hey, Fill up your horn and go. He says, go to Jesse in Bethlehem. In other words, what he's saying is that the story's not over yet, Samuel. I've got, I've got more for you. There's a next chapter. So let's turn the page and let's get going. And, and, and as long as you and I, we still have air in our lungs, there's a next step for us to take. And so what that means is that even when things get dark and, and when it looks like we've, we've hit the end of the road, 
that we need to understand this, that it's the end of a chapter, not the end of the story, right? And, 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 and some chapters, you know, they don't end well. Some of them are filled with pain and, and heartache and, and loss and suffering, and, and we've got to grieve them. We've got to take the time to work through that, but, but not get stuck there, not choosing to live our lives there. There comes that point where we just turn the page and let's start the next chapter, and, and that next step, that next chapter is always starts with a step of, of simple obedience. So, so the Lord sends Samuel on this assignment. And, and if you notice here, he doesn't fill him in on a lot of the details. There's a whole lot that's cloudy. He says, go to Jesse, go to Bethlehem. One of his sons is my choice for the king. Well, sure, Lord, why don't you tell me which one? It'll make this whole exercise a whole lot easier. But, but wait, Lord, what about Saul? He's still, he's still the guy in charge, and he's not highly stable. And if he hears about me anointing another king, I'm going to be in trouble. And it's kind of fascinating. The Lord doesn't answer any of those questions. He doesn't fill him in on all the details. What he says is just go and, and set up a sacrifice. Invite Jesse. And then he says this, then I'll show you what to do. He says, I'll get back to you with the next details after you've taken those first steps of obedience, after you've done what I've told you to do. That's, that's the game plan, that the, the Lord meets us one simple step of obedience at a time. And so even when everything's unclear, even when all of the details of how things are going to play out are still hazy, Right, Even when you can't see the big picture, which is very apropos for the season that we're in right now, we do have a next step to take. And Samuel took it. It says Samuel did what the Lord commanded and he came to Bethlehem. And, and, that, and that started the next chapter. That started the next chapter. And, and here's, uh, here's how the next chapter goes. Um, he says this. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So here we have in this next scene, all of Jesse's boys are lined up, and it is like draft day, right? Um, and the question, of course, that this passage is drawing out is, who's it going to be? Who's, who is God going to choose? And, and I don't know about you, but it does, for me, it kind of reminds me of gym class, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade gym class, when, when, when they would choose teams. And I, I hated that. I hated that part of school because, you know, the, the class is all lined up against the wall and there's a couple of captains that are chosen and they start picking their teams. And then it's like, okay, who's going to get picked last? I hope it's not going to be me. And that's, that, that really kicked in my prayer life, uh, really quickly. Um, but, uh, but Samuel here, he's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And the first thing he does, his eyes immediately lock in on this guy, Eliab. He's the oldest. And he's basically in his mind, he's saying, all right, my job's done here. We're finished. This is the chosen one. This is the guy that surely the Lord wants. And so, so he's got the kind of look that's just screaming to be seated on a throne. 
And here's what we're learning, okay? What we're learning is that Samuel is operating under the assumption still that it's appearances that matter. And what we see is that God's people, we don't automatically reflect God's values all the time. And the good news is that God is committed to teaching us that. Teaching not only Samuel, but us as well. Because the reality is that, I don't know about you, but I can relate so much to Samuel, right? We're easily drawn to the, to the pretty face, to the chiseled figure, to the charismatic personality. And, and, you know, so Samuel, he's popped open his bottle of oil and he is about to pour it out. But the Lord steps in and he says, wait. He says this, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's, there's, there's this redirection, this interruption. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the way that God interrupts our lives, the way he intervenes. And, and he's, he's like jumping on the scene and saying, Samuel, we are not looking for Saul 2.0. What we have in mind, what I have in mind for this is completely different. It's not going to be a fashion show. Now, now, don't get the wrong idea. What this is not teaching us is that there's anything wrong with outward appearances, that there's anything wrong with, with looking good on the outside. It's not to think like, okay, so does this mean the worse that I look, the, the more attractive to God I am, the more I matter to God? No. What, what, it's, what it's telling us simply is that outward appearances are the wrong yardstick to measure our lives by. That's it. Don't assign value to a life based on how someone looks, yourself or someone else. God isn't in the business of choosing his team based on physical features. There's there's no external attributes on his criteria list, but The problem is they were the only things on Samuel's criteria list. That is the only thing he was working from. And so God just says, hey, stop that. Stop sizing people up based on criteria that I just simply don't care about. And and if that was true back then, I guess the question is how much more does that apply to us today? We live in such a a visual age. We live in a culture that, that in so many ways tells us that appearances are everything. And it's sort of the premier yardstick that our culture uses for measuring significance. Do you look the part? You know, how you look... We're, we're, we're told in many ways is a, di- is a direct reflection of how much you matter. And the reality is that because we are immersed in the culture that we're in, we have to very regularly and very intentionally stop and remember that God says that that is completely screwed up. We can't buy into it. We can't start, we can't start measuring by that yardstick. Your, your external attributes... And the way you look, it's just not a reflection of who you are, no matter what you're told. He says that's, that's empty, it's hollow, it's destructive. And, and, and you know, if you're in search of a, of a spouse, 
this is a really important passage to pay attention to. There's an important principle here. And again, it's not that outward appearances don't matter, but it's just this idea that good looks never paint the full picture, right? And, and physical features are never going to compensate for an absence of character. You can't overlook that. So, so now that we've seen what doesn't matter to God, um, let's take a look at what does matter to God and, and see that what matters to God, he said, it's, it's, it's the heart. It's the heart. Um, so it goes on and it says this. Um, Jesse, Jesse talks to all of his sons. He goes through each and every son. I'm going to skip through that. And then Samuel says to Jesse, are these all your sons? And he says, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So, um, so, so we're looking at this and finding out that uh, the person that God is looking for may not be in the center of attention. They, they may not be under the spotlight because God is not searching for celebrity. He is interested in looking for character, those inside qualities. And so that pretty face, that, that charming personality doesn't tell us anything about the heart, anything that's going on inside. Those are interior attributes. They get, they get cultivated off the radar screen. And, and what we find is that many times the person that God is interested in may go unnoticed. It may be the one who's passed by. It may be the person who's overlooked. So Samuel sizes up all seven of Jesse's sons. He goes through them one by one. None of them is the one God wants. Then he goes to Jesse and says, is this it? Do you have anybody else? Is there any other sons? Jesse says, yeah, there's the youngest, the runt. I don't even bother bringing him in. He's out taking care of the sheep. That's, that's how insignificant David was. His father didn't even bother to call him in for the ceremony. And, and what we find out is that this one who wasn't registering on anyone's radar screen that was the one that God had chosen. That was the one that God wanted for his team. And, and I got to say, that's, I take that as good news myself. You know, for, for those among us who on a human level, we, we, we've been overlooked. We've been dismissed. We've been, for one reason or, or another, the categories are set up and we just don't fit into the categories of expectations. Um, you know, God sees what's inside. And what's overlooked to man is oftentimes significant to God. And, and he sees the real you. He sees you at the deepest part of who you are. And what that means is that we each have equal opportunity to pay attention to, to invest in this part of our lives that God says matters most, the one that he's interested in. 
It's the condition of our heart. Psalm 139, David asked God to search his heart. He says, search me and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's, that's kind of the way that the heart gets cultivated. Make that cultivation of character your highest pursuit. And, and that starts with caring less about what people think of you and paying more attention to that, what God already knows about you. Care less about maintaining the image and care, care, care less about what people think of me and care more about what God knows about me. That, that means that who I am when no one else is looking, that's, that's who God sees me as. That's the person God wants to encounter. That's the one that he wants to meet and grow and develop. And and that cultivation of character, that's a lifetime pursuit. It doesn't happen uh, in a week. It doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen in a year. It takes a lifetime. It is a long-term investment. And, And no matter where you are right now, there is a next step in the cultivation of character to take. And who God sees us at the heart level that's the person who, who Jesus went to the cross to die for. That's the one that, that Jesus and God cares for. And that means that all the grace, all the mercy that we need to cultivate character, to build up that person that he sees us to be, it's there for us to grab onto, to take those steps. And what I would say is watch out because when the time is right, you may just get called up. People might be surprised. You might be surprised yourself. There's, there's no telling the impact that deep investments on becoming that person of deep character will make. It's an investment that I've yet to see anyone regret. Yeah, I wish I hadn't paid so much attention to my character. I wish I had taken shortcuts. Never heard that. I've heard plenty of the other ways. So let me close with this. You have no idea who you're sitting next to, if you're sitting next to someone. You have no idea on a daily basis who you might be rubbing shoulders with. You may think you do. You may think that you can look out and you can have a pretty good idea of what's going to become of this person and what's going to become of that person based on their skills, their giftedness, their personality, their, their looks. But you don't know. That person next to you, there is no telling how God might plan on using him or using her in significant ways that you could never imagine, that I could never imagine. See, we don't know that because we can't read their hearts. That's something only God can do, and it's something he does. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to care for our own hearts Lord, help us to cultivate life, not at the, not at the surface level, not at the image level, uh, Lord, but at that character level. And Lord, for those around us, and even for the people that we see in the mirror, Lord, remind us, uh, Lord, that you are a God who sees who we are at the deepest level of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.